1: For free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: All right, guys. So I knew I was internally emotional as I was going to do this podcast because it's Scott's dad. And you have to understand, as a person, you know, coming into someone's family, you never know how you're going to be accepted. And he. Accepted me with open arms, and one day I'll tell you the full story. And one of the other reasons why I completely love this man, there's many reasons, but you know, he's conscious of his emotions and conscious of his feelings. And so when we started to sit down and talk, uh, he did get a little bit emotional. And I have to be honest, I had to somewhat hold it inside. Do you know why you're here yet? Well, it looks like I know now. What did you think? Before? I have no idea. Have you ever been on a podcast before?
2: No.
0: <laughs> so the reason why I called you today is because 2016, shoot, 2017 is the year of transformation. And I was thinking, who would be the best first guest to have on the show to open up 2017. Being as close to your transformation, I mean, you know me a lot better than anyone else that's listening to this podcast, but I wanted to bring on someone that inspires me and that I look up to and that would be you.
2: Wow. Well, first of all, um, if there was a camera, you'd see a smile on my face and my eyes are watering. Because... You're honoring me by being the first for the new year, but second of all, saying that you look out to me really gets to me. I appreciate that.
0: I do, you're so amazing.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time for another episode of Trust and Believe with Sean T.
0: Welcome to 2017, everyone. Today's podcast is very special to me. It's extremely near and dear to my heart because I'm interviewing one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life and someone who has extremely impacted my life over the last seven years. And I do believe that things happen in sevens. Your life happens in sevens. Every seven years, there will be an adjustment in your life. And if you go back and just kind of do a little assessment of your life, I can tell you that every seven years there's been some sort of change that made you change. And so knowing this person has really, really impacted me and really made me change. And I believe they are a great person for all of you to hear from to start off this year of transformation. Um, I'm excited just mentioning that My book is coming out at the end of this year and it is just one of the greatest things I've ever done through all my life of um, the happiness, the struggle, the therapy that I went through to accept who I am and really reliving in a way of being able to help you and myself and people just understand that we can overcome a lot of things and You constantly, as you start to go through your transformation, you constantly being able to monitor and adjust what's happening in your life so that you can continue to thrive and move forward. So you will enjoy this. It will be great. And I want you guys to understand that I have your back every step of the way. So sit back, relax. And here we go. 2017 is up, up, up. And away. When I met Scott, I I mean, I didn't know his parents would be like. You know, I was just like, okay, you know, cool. Like, I'm gonna meet their parents. I knew they would have to be amazing and cool because he is. But that's not very true for everybody's parents. But I, I didn't know like seven years ago that I would be like completely. What's the word I'm looking for? I would be completely. Um. I didn't know I would learn as much from you in seven years. And it's not like you ever sat me down and taught me anything, you know, per se, as like you used to teach your consultants, but I pay attention a lot. <laughs> yes, you do. I pay, to, I pay attention. Because I, I frequently
2: hear some words I've said coming back to me sometimes as daggers because you're giving me a hard time and other times just because... I'm Sean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Where does it come from? I know this might be a, a super open ended question, but you have this way of communicating with people that is, in my opinion, it's extremely direct but also comforting, which I find to be I find to be amazing because I think that's what I aspire to do, to be as honest as possible, but also not to overwhelm people but you do it in a way that's very interesting and it's not condescending you know like you have this way of communicating with people inspiring them but being very direct and i wanted to know like where did where did that come from did you learn that or
2: well um as i was growing up i grew up living out in the country and the only time i saw other kids was at school. I'd ride the bus to school. And I had zero people skills. I was very task-oriented. I was had to entertain myself. My, my brother is five years younger than me, so there was not really a relationship there. And all through high school and really all through college, I was task-oriented, task-oriented, task-oriented. And I really... Didn't pay a lot of attention to relationships with people, as far as trying to be uh, warm and understanding and empathetic. Um, I would say I had as small a percentage of empathy as you could imagine. Really? Now, now I wasn't—I wasn't cruel. I was always polite. My parents raised us to be very polite and very respectful and to listen and and all those things. But I got slapped upside the head when I started teaching in-service training courses for teachers. And that's another whole story why why I was doing it. And I had made a decision that every course I taught, every single session would be evaluated by the participants. And On the evaluation forms, I would bring them home and read them, and I would cry. Because they told me I was condescending. They told me I was holier than thou. They told me I thought I was God. They told me uh, to practice what I preach. And it was a real eye-opener. Because my intentions weren't to be that way Mm. I had no idea that I was that way but that's the way I was coming across to people and I thought oh my gosh and I thought I was working to change it but even when I did another course I was still getting a lot of the same things and I couldn't understand why and then somewhere, someone told me, or I think they told me, they said, make being empathetic, make being a listener, make being uh, warm and cuddly a task. Because you're so task-oriented. Hmm. So that opened my eyes. So then, to be honest with you, I had to search and find out what are behaviors and characteristics of empathetic? What are ba- behaviors and characteristics of being understanding? Because I thought I was doing it, but by gosh, I wasn't. And part of it, I wasn't, i learned after many years was because I'm so focused and driven on getting a, a task accomplished um, that it's a lot, a lot like when you go Bowling. A bowling ball's job is to go down the lane as fast as it can because it wants to get into the whoop de doo to come back up and shoot out of the hole. Mm -hmm. Okay? The pins just happened to be in the way. I was like a bowling ball. My job was to get down the lane so quick that I I get down there and get into whoop de doo because that was fun. It was like riding a roller coaster and come back zipping back up because I wanted to do it again. And so I'm teaching these courses and I'm working with these people But I'm like this bowling ball because all these people are in my way of trying to accomplish the task, whether I was trying to teach kids to do things in school or whether I was trying to teach adults to do things. And no wonder I wasn't being successful. You know, it worked in football. I was a football coach and it worked in in swimming because I was a swimming coach. But in other walks of life where people expect you to be more human, Mm. guess what? So, when you say that I was, I'm was i that way, lordy, lordy, you should have seen where I came from.
0: And so, as we continued to talk, I really began to be inspired. And I even just really had to sit back and listen. And, you know, you're talking to someone who's been through so many amazing things, has started a company, and sold the company, raised a family, has been married for over 50 years. And, you know, when someone who is speaking to you, giving you greatness, and they're 73 years old, it's pretty spectacular. So this is just incredible for me. So I just sit back and listen. You also said that you still work on it to this day. And a lot Many people including myself That have had Physical transformations They get Very Worn down when they Think about the person that they were Or They look back and they say I never want to be that person again which I get But you seem to Constantly Revisit that because you have to Make a conscious effort Not to be how you were And so do you how do you view looking back in the past at which you were to continue to be, you know, better? In a car, what's
2: the size of the rear view mirror? In comparison to the size of the windshield? Nominal. Right. The rear view mirror is there because you have to periodically check what's back there. Right, But where you're going, looking through the windshield, is what should be your focus for 95% of what you do. You establish a goal or a vision, and that's your big windshield. And that's what you focus on. And the only time you look in that rearview mirror is when you think you need a little stimulation or a reminder of, I don't want that, I'm going this way.
0: Right. So it's, it's not to dwell in the past. It can be a reminder to reflect on what you don't want. Um,
2: absolutely. And a lot of people dwell in the past because they really don't know how to focus on the future.
0: And with that said, when we come back, we're going to talk about your past and how you taught teachers how to teach to not only change the way they live every day, but to help enhance the future of the world with your kids. We'll be
1: right back. Hey there, I'm Julie Boris, and I want to see you in Indiana on February 25th, 2017. I'm bringing Sean T back to Indianapolis because it's more than just a workout. It's more than just motivation. It's an experience. And you need to be in the room. Go to JulieVorris.com for tickets. Join us on February 25th at the JW Marriott downtown Indianapolis for an experience that could just change your life. Be in the room, feel the energy, and open your heart to the possibility. It's more than just exercise, it's life. And on February 25th, it's an experience, and you need to be there. See you in Indiana on February 25th. Now back to Shanti's
0: Trust and Believe. I hope you're all learning a lot about how your journey can be impacted by your decisions. And one of the other things that we're learning so far is that through your struggles, you get to learn a lot about yourself. And so coming up, we're going to hear Bill, a.k.a. Dad for me, talk more about how he progressed to become successful. You taught teachers how to teach and you taught teachers how to better themselves, to be confident in themselves, to, to you were a tool and you supplied tools for them to be better teachers and in turn they could pay it forward to kids you know what I do is I do it with humans in hopes that they take their life they believe in themselves I try to give them tools to find confidence every single day most of the time it's still a workout but you know I, I believe you're the nucleus of your existence and if you become a great if you become a greater you the people around you are going to feel the effect of that. In turn, you can be a tool for them to, to look after and to, and to feel confident and whatever. How hard was it for you to... This is a two-part question. What kind of schools did you have to go into to help turn the school around? And how hard was it over the... Was it 30-plus years? 25 years. Over the 25 years... How hard was it to constantly be that tool to help people transform themselves and help transform other people?
2: Um, I had been a successful principal. I had taken a school as a principal that was in the in the bottom three schools in a district of 16 elementary schools as far as academic achievement based on uh, state testing. At the end of three years, we were the highest performing school in the district according to the state tests. A low-income school with all kinds of problems. So I thought I was pretty hot stuff. So I started working with schools and started doing this consulting, and it was like running into a brick wall. Because many times people don't want to change. Even though the situation is bad. Even though they don't like the situation they're in. It's much easier to keep doing what you're doing And bitching and moaning and groaning and complaining about it Then make the change Because change is hard, change is messy You get all yucked up And it ain't no fun at the beginning So I had to learn It was a lot of OJT, on the dot job training From my previous experience trying to learn about how to be more empathetic and understanding I had begun to get my brain in the way to operate so that I could be in a situation and step out and analyze what I was doing simultaneously Hmm. and there would be times that words would come out of my mouth and I would say oh shit why did I say that I knew it was the wrong thing to say But I was operating out of habit. I was going
0: to ask you, so why did you say it?
2: Yeah. See, 75 to 85% of all human behavior is habit. You don't even think about what you do. And I can give you tons of examples.
0: Uh, Give me some. But but when... Because I love habit
2: Habits. We had a house that Scott was raised in that was right across the street from the elementary school. Well, Scott was out of college... And we moved to a new house. One day, I was all caught up in a problem I was trying to solve, driving home, and all of a sudden, I hit the bump at the edge of the driveway and looked, and I was at my old house, not my new house. And the only reason I knew I was there is because there was a bump there from where the the side of the road hit the, the driveway itself.
0: So I have a question for you. Because you were operating out of habit Right Do you remember any of the visuals along the way?
2: No, I was on autopilot when, when you're operating out of habit It's all blind spots Habits are blind spots You don't even know you're doing them And that's a major piece To try to change your behavior Or other behavior Because you've got so many habits Another habit I had I, I was able to figure it out I would have a rough day at work. I'd be coming home, and I would be thinking about what comfort food was I going to put in my mouth as soon as I walked through the door. Mm-hmm. That's a habit. Eating is a habit. Exercising is a habit. The way we interact with people, 75 to 85% of the time, it's habit. We don't even know we're doing it. So you have to have somebody else point it out to you Or you have to be able to step back and and figure it out yourself, see that you're doing it. The problem is, you're so caught up in doing stuff, you don't realize you're doing it. And if somebody does point it out to you, like saying, Sean, why did you say that like that? What happens?
0: I get defensive.
2: Very defensive. And as soon as they're defensive, guess what? You can't change their behavior. You can't teach them. The only way you can be successful with them is to take them where they're at, believe in them, get them to understand that you're on their side and that together you're going to move in this direction and I have to make sure you experience all these tiny little successes along the way That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: And speaking of successes, at what point did you actually, how many years into the 25 years did you feel successful? How long did it take for you to feel successful?
2: As you know, when you do a lot of presentations in front of groups, you develop certain habit patterns again yes. and processes and things you do. So that was constantly refining, refining, refining. So again, I was I was working to do it the absolute best job I could, but it was on autopilot. And I know multiple times, words were coming out of my mouth when I was doing these trainings. And I was thinking, oh... That group of people over there isn't responding. I don't have eye contact. There's, I'm, I don't have them. I got to do a way to do something to connect with them. So again, you're analyzing your own behavior and talking to them. But you can only do that when you become consciously competent. And everybody in their jobs become consciously competent, no matter what their job is. Uh, you do it long enough, and you make enough mistakes you realize how you can repeat behavior. And I don't care if it's a a surgeon doing brain surgery or somebody that's got to work on these new cars with all the Fandango computer stuff. Everybody can become consciously competent.
0: That's such a powerful combination of words. Consciously competent. Are you consciously competent? Are you really reflecting on what you're doing? Are you just breezing by or are you actually connecting to the moments? Can you give me the definition of consciously competent?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, somebody can say to you, how did you make that happen? Whatever it is. And you can say, I did this, I did this, and I did this. Um, if I said, Sean, how did you hit that serve so it curved so much when it went over the net? Mm-hmm. You would say, well, I gripped the, the racket this way, and when I w- took the racket back, I made this adjustment, and I, when I made contact with the ball, I did this. Because you can, you're can, you consciously competent about hitting a slice serve, and you know how to do it over and over again. Yes. So that's the same thing with any skill, and interacting with people is a skill. Changing behavior is a skill. It's learn. You've got to learn how to repeat it. In the schools, we would teach teachers how to teach kids to read. That is a super complex, very cumbersome, slow-developing skill in children and there's many facets of it but teachers became consciously competent for the first time in how to do that and then boy did they take off
0: so you've tried you've done t25 and insanity and you've done some live workouts i think with me um so many times people are focused on the end they're focused on you know we were you were just talking about consciously competent but the majority of people, if you ask them a question, you say, how did you do that? They just say, oh, I just X. You know, if you ask me how, how I got someone to learn the entire eight count, I can take you step by step by step. But the majority of people, even if, if they're on a weight loss journey, they say, you know, how did you get that? Oh, I ate right. I exercised. I, you know, I lost weight. But it's a lot more complex than that. Absolutely. So much more complex than that. So, But what happens is because I think some people aren't, I think they're conscious, but they're not putting the competency and the consciousness together. They're not gluing them together and focused along the way as they're going through this journey. So my question was, what would you tell someone who is having a tough Time going through their transformation or let's say they're at the start of their transformation and they're only focused on the end because the end seems so far away. What would be your advice to tell them how to get from point A to point Z? I'm not even going to say B. From point A to point Z while eliminating as much stress as possible.
2: It's always little tiny steps that are called Details. It is always having expectations of yourself that are reasonable to accomplish in the time frame that you've given yourself. And then it's constant monitoring of yourself about how you're doing and changing what you need to change and reinforcing when you need to change it. All of those things are part of it. Um, sometimes people get so caught up in doing Insanity or T25 or Max 30 that they don't pay attention to the mechanics of doing the exercise. And you know more than anybody with your degree that people injure themselves if they don't do things mechanically correct. So one of the things they have to do is pay attention to the mechanics when they're doing a push-up. Where are their hands positioned? How do they maintain their core so their body stays flat so that when they go down, they are getting the maximum benefit to the shoulders and chest and core and then coming up? See, competence is having the knowledge and skill to accomplish a task successfully. Okay? I can be unconsciously competent. I can do it successfully. But if you ask me how I did it, I can't tell you. I, I, wanna, I want to be consciously competent so I can tell you when I position my hands outside my shoulders... And do this with my buttocks and my lower abdomen. Here's what's going to happen as I do my push-up. If I've moved my hands in right under my shoulders, this is what's going to happen. And here's what else I have to do.
0: Right. It goes in line with what I love to tell the people who are listening, which is form over speed. Absolutely. Because doing something fast is not going to get you the result. It's doing something right, which is the same Thing that goes into the journey trying to get there fast is not going to get you a sustainable result and but getting there the right way is track and field actually helped me start focusing on detail because I was a hurdler and so when I first started running track it was like I would go out the blo- the blocks and I would just try to get to the finish line as fast as possible when really a smart runner knows exactly how many steps they need to take to get to the finish line details details you know and that's why I think consciously competent is such a I should make it a t-shirt and have you sign Bill Blocker on it (laughs) plug Um, I think it's such an amazing thing to think about as we go through this year of of transformation and
2: being consciously competent is critical but I want to ask you a question yes people set a goal to change something It may or may not be exercise or weight related. And they start out gung-ho. What happens after a period of time? They plateau. All right. Do you know there's a name for that in the research?
0: Well, I've made up my own name, but... (laughs) (laughs) so I'll tell you my name and then I would obviously love to hear your name for me I don't believe in plateaus I believe there are moments where you can rebalance your life and start all over again which is similar to what we were talking about when you asked me the other day you go to the gym you do this and you wanted to lose a little bit more weight and I was like you have to change the game it's not really a plateau it's just your time to readjust but what is Dr. Blockers
2: (laughs) well it's not it's not Dr. Blockers it's it's Blanchard and Hersey's research on people and groups. Okay. And anytime you're trying to make a change, a person or a group, the first thing that's gonna happen is that you're you're kind of in a euphoric excited state and you're gung-ho, you wanna make the change. So you go gung ho at it, really working hard, and you have minor successes and then like when you're starting to exercise for the first time, after the first three days you're so unbelievably sore You say, why am I doing this? And that is when it becomes what Blanchard and Hersey called an implementation dip. So the implementation dip drops down like the first drop in a roller coaster. And what happens is it's not the euphoric thing that you get in a roller coaster from that drop. It is the pain and agony, and it drives you back to looking into your rearview mirror that's as big as the windshield.
0: Hmm.
2: And People typically give up and stop. So what you have to do, or what what your coach has got to do, or what your teacher has got to do, or what your parent has got to do, is say, you're going to experience this dip. Everybody does. But we can minimize it if we do these things. And these things are Taking smaller incremental steps forward so you can be sure to be successful, and then when you are successful, acknowledging your success and then being able to point out what you did to be successful. When you become consciously competent, you also develop what's called an internal locus of control. You believe you can control situations. An external locus of control is somebody is controlling you or the situation is controlling you. The word locus means point. Mm -hmm. So if you take responsibility for your successes, you develop this internal locus of control, which in turn builds your self-confidence and your self-esteem. So you can minimize the implementation depth. You can never, ever eliminate it. You can minimize it and work through it.
0: Well, that is um, as people start to embark on a new journey or a new transformation this year or every year, I should say. This is exactly what happens. The first two, three days they're in the gym or they're doing their workout and then they wake up on day three or four and they can't believe how sore they are. And then they're, they start to make excuses that I can't do this because instead of changing a mindset and say, OK, if my legs hurt, then maybe I work my arms. And so what is the science behind why? People, oh, you do that.
2: It happened to me, Sean t <laughs> After our discussion, I changed my workout dramatically and I. As I told, you, I told you a little bit about it after I did it, I felt pretty damn good about how well I did. <laughs> the next day, I could barely get out of bed. My body was so stiff and sore. But, and I don't mean this in an egotistical way, because I was consciously competent and I know what to do to deal with lactic acid in my body... I implemented those things, and by the time I did my workout the the second day, I was stiff and sore, but I could do it. However, the one thing I really had to back off with was the abdominal exercises I was going to do, because my stomach was so uncomfortable. Godly sore. Now so, uh, I work my stomach all the time, but doing this new workout killed me. Well,
0: it's interesting because I remember you saying you do everything on a bosu ball yeah when you're at the gym, which I found to be incredible. And so that's why I was that's why I kind of gave you that challenge to say it's not that what you changed your workout to was harder. It was different. Oh, it
2: was very different.
0: And And I was trying to get you to understand that, you know, you were like, oh, you know, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, it's not really about the weight. It's about it comes really down to how you feel, because if you continue to do at least this program that you're doing for a little bit and you start to feel stronger, yet you increase your weight. It'll go up. Your body fat will definitely decrease and your shape starts to change. You start to feel you'll be like, oh. Well, the weight really didn't matter because you're you're finding you're finding success every single day, and 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 I want to say, lastly is that sore that wake up soreness? Is I love it. The biggest tangible success you will ever have because you are feeling it in your body.
2: That's right. I love it. it people hate it, and I love it. I I literally say, oh, that feels so good. Now <laughs> it was still hard to get out of bed,
0: but it felt good. But you got out of bed. Yes, I did. Thank you. It was really fun. It has been. But it's not over. Oh. <laughs> because I do something in my podcast called the Speed Round. And what's really fun about the Speed Round is your son... Oh, no. ...makes up the questions. <laughs>
2: well, I've, I've heard your podcast, but I forgot about that point. I know. Everyone does. Everyone this that comes on the podcast be
0: forgets This is dangerous. <laughs> All right. So here are the rules. You get three seconds to answer the question, you don't answer, you get a buzzer, and no one will ever hear the answer. Okay. Okay. First concert you ever attended?
2: Um, Scott wanted to go to a concert when he was a freshman or sophomore in high school and he wasn't driving, and there was nobody else going, so uh, I took him, Uh, it was at the Key Arena in Seattle, I'll be honest with you, I don't know who the main performer was. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, question number 2. If you won if you won super duper all access VIP tickets to any one of these events, which one would you choose? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'll say done when I finish all of the options. Super Bowl, World Cup final, the Oscars, or Dancing with the Stars finale?
2: Without a doubt, World Cup final. Really? Oh my God! Yes, they're they're an amazing spectacle, and when the World Cup is on television every four years, I watch almost every game, and it my heart gets pumping because the people go crazy. and And uh, Scott knows he's gone with me. We've gone when when World Cup was played in the U.S. We went to some some games and it's a spectacle the drum beats and waving the flags and but you used to be a
0: soccer coach right were you did you so everyone knows that scott is a professional soccer used to be a pro soccer player did you teach him how to kick his first ball
2: well would it be egotistical if i said scott is the soccer player he is because of me
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, and I can't wait till he hears that answer, and then we'll hopefully get a response. Well,
2: he embellished it a little bit in his later years.
0: Question number three. What is your astrological sign, and do you believe in astrology?
2: My astrological sign is Aries. And once a month, or once every two months, I might read about it and say, oh, that's cool. And when you read the description of Aries, it fits me pretty well because I'm like the bull in the china shop. But (laughs) um, I really don't... um, I don't believe in it because I'm too much of the belief I can control too much in my life. I'm not being controlled. Mm
0: -hmm. So you're not being controlled by the stars?
2: No. Okay.
0: Well, I happen to believe in astrology. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so best ever best tennis player ever serena i'm not I'm, what is it okay serena or fed it
2: it is serena and the reason it's serena is because she has had to accomplish so much more to to get the recognition that she's gotten than any male tennis player would ever have to do
0: alright question number five what is the best advice anyone ever gave you
2: I guess I would say that being more people oriented
0: and you used it yep. which we heard earlier cool number six social media good or bad innovation for society um, anything
2: like that is neither good nor bad It is based on how somebody uses it.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.
2: If the aliens mean the weird things you see in movies, no. Do I believe that there are other beings out there in the universe? There's got to be. There's so many stars like our sun that there has got to be hundreds of thousands of planets that can support what we call intelligent life
0: number eight what tv show would you love to make a cameo on
2: i would love to be at dancing with the stars behind the scenes to see how they do all the stuff that they do
0: three more questions since you are a seattleite meaning you're from seattle Out of 365 days, how many days does it rain in Seattle?
2: I can't tell you the number of days, but I can tell you that it's a myth that it rains a lot in Seattle. And that comes from all the research, the literature, the weather people. Seattle is rated number 48 Of the major cities in the United States with the amount of rainfall. We get 36 inches of rainfall per year. That's it.
0: The correct answer from Google is 155 days.
2: Well, then there's a whole bunch of other days where it's nice.
0: (laughs) Question number 10. What is the capital of Washington? Olympia. And a bonus question, number 11. Because you live in Arizona, what is the capital of Arizona? Phoenix. You know what? This is so bad I don't know <laughs> Oh my gosh This is horrible Well there's There's Is it Tucson? Tucson It's gotta be Tucson No
2: it's not Tucson It's gotta be Phoenix Phoenix Yeah
0: You can tell how much I love my state <laughs> I just love the weather <laughs> Thank you dad
2: It's been it was fun it was I, This was a surprise I loved it Trust and Believe With Shanti
0: and I leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want you for a second to think that any barrier is too big. I don't want you for a second to think that you can't overcome any Obstacle, you heard that if you connect to the moment, if you connect to what you want that's gonna happen over this next 365 days, and for your life, you will find success and you will transform every single day. The step-by-step process for you to get where you want is so important. So Don't rush the results that you want to get. And that result can be in the body, it can be in the mind, it can be in a relationship, it can be in a job, it can be the goal to go on an amazing vacation. But don't rush the process because if. Like bill said if you are consciously competent and you connect to those moments and if you can write down each and every step that got you to day one day three day five and day seven you will remember the success that you had and so we are doing some fun things here in 2017 and i hope that you can share your story with other people share this podcast with them so they know that they have the power you have to feel it in the core of who you are literally if at this moment you put your hands on your core your stomach it doesn't matter where your six-pack is at this moment if you put your hands on your stomach at this very moment and you exhale exhale what's going to happen is your stomach is going to implode for a little bit. And and the exhale of that is everything that you, that's power. When you cough, you know how much power comes out in a cough? Now you exhaling every single day, you're blowing out greatness. You are delivering greatness from the core. Now that's Powerful. So the next time you get down and you do abs or the next time you do a jump and you use your core, know that that's the power or the next time that you have to face something that's very challenging, you use your core in every single way so that you can transform your life you have the tools and the reason why I say you have the tools is because you can reach to anything that you want and if you follow suit if you follow the magnetic pull of power that is coming from your core mm, 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 if you follow that I'm telling you just hold on and when these demons or these barriers start to come at you from the side. You know when a, when a football player is running down a football field. Actually, let's use a quarterback. When a quarterback backs up, when that ball is snapped, he is relying on the lines, man. To stop him from getting sacked, right? That is his power. But you, as you're moving through, you have the power. You create your own force field so that you don't get sacked. And you can continue to move forward to the end zone. But when you score, as we're going through 2017, if you know that when you score, that's not the end of the game. You get as many points as possible. You get as many You get as many receptions as possible. You catch as many balls. You get as many yards as possible. So that you can gain yardage. And you can find success in everything that you do. And I thank you. And I thank you for going on this journey with me. Because we will transform our lives every single day. Next week on Trust and Believe... We will have a guest, an entire family, a small family of a woman. Her name is Priscilla. And she, you may have seen her on my Instagram, she was dancing at nine months pregnant. And it was. Absolutely incredible. And we're going to find out how she manages to be a professional dancer and still have time to raise three kids with her amazing husband, who is a country singer. We're going to meet them. We're going to meet the family. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you will be inspired. And find out how she lost her baby weight, not from one, two, but even now at three, with insanity. So we'll check it out. And just remember to trust and believe in her. I want to give a huge shout out to Todd Midget, a.k.a. NC Fit Club, Alex Coloreo, my lovely production manager. They do a great job with loving up on the podcast and making sure that it gets out to you so that we can all stay motivated and relevant. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome.